Welcome to Fusion Church's Sermon of the Week. Fusion Church is located in Wakanda, Illinois. We exist to complete and multiply people who passionately follow Christ. For more information, visit www.fusionchurch.com. Let's dive into this week's sermon. So if you want, you can be seated for a minute. I'm just going to share just uh, last week and for the next few weeks, I'm just going to share just a short little message just to, um, just to keep us anchored in what it is that we're, we're doing here. Uh, worship is great, but we also want to stay anchored in the Word. We're a church that really values worship. We really value the Spirit, but we also really value the Word of God. So we're going to share just briefly uh, about that. It's great to see you guys. It's just so great to see you. Great to see your faces. Great to see cars coming. It's like, oh, I know that person's car. Uh, and I know that even that you are excited. Some of you, I know, this is the first time you've seen anybody from our church face-to-face. And that's really exciting. So uh, you can throw them a, a hug from far away or whatever it is that you got to do. Uh, it's just so good. It's just so good to be together. We were meant to be together like this, weren't we? Yeah. I mean, this is, uh, I'm really thankful for the gift of technology I'm really thankful that we've been able to do what we've been able to do as a church. Uh, all, everything that we're doing shows that those who show up and stay engaged at whatever level are growing in their faith. So I'm really thankful for that. But we also know that this wasn't meant to be all that we are as a church, that we're meant to gather face to face, that there's something special and unique about this when we gather. So, so I'm, I'm glad that we get to do that today. Uh, just, a, just what I want to share this week and for the next few weeks is on the Beatitudes that are in the Sermon of the Mount. And there's a couple reasons why I want to do that. One is when Jesus is preaching the Sermon on the Mount in Matthew chapter 5, he is outside up on a large hill preaching to families and to people from all different kinds of generations, all different backgrounds. That was kind of like the first church service, like if you think about it. And it's funny because we're all outside just the way that Jesus was outside, sharing the word of God, and, and they were probably doing some form of worship together, and it was multi-generational, and there were people sitting around just like this. So we're actually doing what Jesus did 2,000 years ago. And that's funny to me, because that's not what I normally think about church, right? If you grew up in church, you grew up going in a building, and usually the adults go in one area and the kids go over in another area and the adults have church and the kids have church. But that is not how it was. Actually, for most of and still for most of places around the world, church primarily happens outside or in houses, not in buildings that were built to house our worship. Isn't it crazy how we've gotten it backwards? Like how, we, how we've kind of like just kind of got, uh, we took a sidestep from what it was intended to be. Church was always meant to be something that was had in your homes and could be had anywhere. It wasn't confined to a building. And so Jesus starts off that movement right away by having a group of people gathered around him sharing about what the kingdom of God is like in the Sermon on the Mount. Also, there's another parallel. These were people that were listening to Jesus who were going through a really difficult period of time. The Roman Empire had conquered their lands, and they were living in a, a total state of disorientation. They didn't know what, when they were going through, when God was going to deliver them from the circumstances that they were in. There were many people who were sick. 
There were many people who were poor. There were many people who their religious customs and the things that they did were kind of upended and disordered. Does that sound familiar? That sounds a little bit like what the state of the world is right now, right? There are people who are sick. There are people who feel like, oh, my rights are being infringed on and I don't know when that's going to change. There are people who are used to worshiping one way, who have to worship in a different way. And they were trying to figure out who is it that God is calling this people of God to be in this moment. And so Jesus steps on the scene and brings this message that the kingdom of God was near. He was bringing a completely new thing, and it was going to give them a new sense of identity. It was going to reframe their purpose and who they were supposed to be. And I think that as a church, not, not just Fusion Church, the church globally, we're at a moment where we get to decide again who it is that we're going to be. Are we going to live under the rule and reign of Jesus and make his kingdom a priority, or are we going to do other things? Like, I think that we're at a time right now where we get to define that all over again. I made it clear last week, we are all about seeking Jesus first and everything else is second. That's what we're going to do as a church. We're going to go wholeheartedly after that. But I think we're at that defining moment where what we are used to has been upended. We don't know exactly what's on the other side. And so now we get to reframe and rethink what does it look like to be the people who follow Jesus, who live in the kingdom of God. So in that context, Jesus starts out this sermon, and he's got this crowd, this multitude of people around him, and this is going to be his moment. This is what he's going to share, what his agenda is on earth. So far, he's been, uh, he's been talking a little bit about the good news of the gospel. He's been doing some miracles and seeing some healings and that kind of thing happen. And so people are waiting to go, okay, Jesus, what are you going to say next? And then here's what Jesus does. He starts out with these things called the beatitude and begins to do something no one expected. He said, blessed or blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn, for they will be comforted. And he goes on a list of these different things, of these different categories of people who would be blessed. And if you were listening to Jesus in that moment, you would be going, Jesus, wait a minute. That's not what I thought we were doing here. Why are you talking about this right here, right now? You're supposed to be talking about how God is going to usher in and he's going to get rid of the Roman Empire and fix all this stuff. And instead, you're not talking about that. You're talking about people who are hurting, who are actually your people who are part of the kingdom of God. What is up with that? Well, Jesus makes it really clear right from the beginning of his ministry that he is going to defy people's expectations. They're going to expect one thing, and Jesus is going to come at it from another angle. And so Jesus, right from the beginning, said, hey, you better keep up with what I'm doing, right? It's, it's amazing. If you look at the life of Jesus, Jesus is constantly asking his disciples to kind of keep up with him, move at his pace. And sometimes that pace is a lot slower. Sometimes that pace is a lot faster. It's usually very different than what they can expect. And so Jesus begins to lay out, here are the people who are really and truly blessed, and that first beatitude, blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. It's interesting because the word blessed doesn't quite get it right. The word blessed is not exactly what the text says. It says something like happy. But even then, happy doesn't quite get it right. And so people who interpret the, and translate the Bible don't know exactly what to do with this word. So they're like, eh, blessed seems good enough. But that's really not what it means. It's actually describing somebody who is in a very favorable, favored kind of position. So have you ever had this thought about someone? Man, it just seems like that person is like the luckiest person in the world. 
It just seems like that person just has everything going for them. Have you ever had that thought about somebody? And like maybe that person doesn't feel that way internally, but on the outside you can look at it and go, man, there's just something that that person, seems like everything is just working out. They are in this kind of favored position. Every time I think about them, I see them as the, in this kind of like favorable, lucky, you know, sometimes people use the phrase, man, the gods were really smiling on me today. As though to say, everything just seemed like it fit in place. That is almost exactly what this is saying. It's like, look, you might feel or think that things are wrong and going the wrong direction, but what you can't see is that you are in the most favored position. You are in the best possible position, whether you feel it or not, from the outside looking in through the lenses of the kingdom of God. If you are these things on this list, you are in the most favored position in the kingdom of God. And this first one, he says, Blessed are the poor in spirit. Now, there's lots of different ways that can be taken. Some people would say it primarily means poor financially. And that's not quite right. It might be a part of it, but it's not quite right. Some people would say poor in spirit means really down, that somehow they feel defeated, that somehow they feel emotionally distraught. And so if you are in that position, that you are really blessed or you're in this favored position, that's not quite right either. Actually, what Jesus is doing is picking up this thread that weaves all throughout the Bible, through the Old Testament and then into the New, that when people are their most desperate for whatever it is, they get their most desperate for God. And so it doesn't matter whether you're physically poor or emotionally poor. People who are poor in spirit say, there is something in me that only God can satisfy. So poor in spirit is a deep spiritual hunger that only God can satisfy. So Jesus says, you know who's blessed? The people who are the most blessed are those who are the most spiritually desperate and hungry. That is who is the most blessed. That puts you in the best possible position. Now, you and I know that sometimes you get in that spiritually desperate situation because of financial poverty, that because things are going bad. Sometimes you get in that because you've gotten bad news, there's some situation going on in your life that's really hard, and I don't know about you, but that's the time when you hit your knees and say, God, I need you to come through. But what Jesus is saying is, look, the kingdom of God is made up of people who are spiritually desperate. They don't have any other hope other than the kingdom of God coming into their life and satisfying their deepest need. So Jesus says, look, if you want to be great in the kingdom of God, you've got to enter in with spiritual desperation. Now, I don't know about you, but that feels like a very different kind of message than I grew up with, thinking that I had to feel like I had it spiritually all together. That's not how we come to Jesus. We come to Jesus saying, I am a wreck and I need your help, so help me now. That's the posture that we enter into the kingdom of God. I am desperate for you. You are the only thing that satisfies this need that's in my heart. You are the one thing I'm hungry for above all else. And everything else that Jesus says comes after that. So blessed are those who mourn. Yeah, but first are those who come in hungry and desperate for only what only God can supply. And then there's a promise attached to that, that if we come in desperate and hungry for more of God, that we will inherit the kingdom of God, that the kingdom of God is ours. That means that the freedom that comes with the kingdom of God is ours. That the joy that comes with the kingdom of God is ours. That the comfort that comes in the kingdom, the hope that comes with the kingdom, the authority and the power to heal and deliver, all of those things come with the kingdom of God. But the requirement is spiritual desperation. 
And I love how Jesus doesn't teach us a five-point sermon about how to be spiritually hungry or spiritually desperate. Isn't that interesting? He doesn't say, now this is how you get there. Here's what I know. Hungry people know they're hungry. And hungry people know how to find food. We've been watching, we've been binge watching alone. Anyone else? I know there's a few. We've been binge watching alone. Here's what I know. When you're really hungry, you figure out a way to find food. Spiritually hungry people figure out a way to be spiritually fed. You don't have to be told this is how you do it. You say, you know what? I'm going to find it. I don't care where I have to find it. I'm gonna, I, know, I know it's there. I know it's on offering for me. So I'm going to go after it. So that's why Jesus doesn't give a five-point sermon on how to be spiritually hungry because he says, if you're desperate, you will come and follow me. Actually, and Jesus does anything other than make it easy to be a follower of him. He keeps saying, nope, it's going to be hard, guys. Actually, here, here's Jesus' talking point for those who want to follow him in the kingdom of God. It's, hey, take up your cross, come and die, and follow me. And then there's a promise that I will give you real and new life. You might not know it. You might not see what it's going to look like. But I promise that there will be an exchange and you will find yourself better. But there's going to have to be a death first. You're going to have to let go of all the things that satisfy or all the things that pacify so that you can go after the one thing that satisfies. That's God's heart for us is that spiritual desperation. And so as we gather here over the next few weeks, I want us to gather here with a sense of spiritual hunger, a sense that, God, we need you right now. There are people around you that you work with in your neighborhoods, people that you know, people in your family, and they are looking for answers, and you are sitting with the answer. You have it. You have it inside of you. The kingdom of God is yours. And so they need, they need us to be spiritually desperate. They need to say, God, I want all that you have for me. I want all that you have for me at any cost. I want to go after you. I want to know you in a deeper way. I want to know who you are. I want to know what it looks like to love. Man, my prayer of my heart is, Jesus, teach me how to love. Teach me how to love. Teach me how to love because I'm discovering I don't really know how to love. I thought I did, but I'm learning I don't. And so I want to, I want to dive deeper into love. Some of you need to dive deeper into joy. Some of you need to dive deeper into hope and peace. You were meant to walk with hope and peace. That's how God called his people. You know, we have, we've lost the art of lament and grieving in the church. That's, that's a true thing. We've lost that art of lament and grieving in the church. But that is not meant to be our default position. The default position of the church is thanksgiving. It's gratitude for what God has done. And when we lament and, and, and we lament and we grieve, it's because we know things can be better than what they are. It doesn't make any sense to lament if you don't believe it can be better. Actually, people who live with the most hope have the deepest lament. And so what God is calling us to is to live with that higher degree of hope, that higher degree of peace, that higher degree of confidence in who Jesus is and what his kingdom is like. He's calling us to live with that. And so here's what I'm asking you to do. I'm going to ask you to worship seeking God. I'm going to ask you to worship, enter, entering into this posture, saying, Jesus, I just want whatever you have for me. I come spiritually hungry. I come spiritually needy. Would you satisfy the desires of my heart that only you can satisfy? Does that sound good? Stand, let's worship. Jesus, we love you. We want your kingdom to come as we worship. So please come. Amen. We hope that you are encouraged by this week's sermon. For more information, visit us at our website, www.fusionchurch.com, or you could find us on Facebook and Instagram. Have a great week.